Hey, my name is John Shibley from Last in Line Leadership Podcast. I want to congratulate my buddy Tim Douglas and the Inspired Way Podcast for their 100th episode and 10,000 downloads. Incredible accomplishment, incredible milestone. Keep up the good work, Tim. Hey, you guys, uh, come over and listen to our podcast at Last in Line Leadership. We've had amazing guests like Eddie Penny, former Navy SEAL, uh, Stephen Mansfield, Kurt Cousins from the NFL, Minnesota Vikings, John Deloney uh, from the Ramsey Group. So, hey, come check us out at Last in Line Leadership Podcast. Enjoy this next episode of the Inspired Way Podcast. Here's your host, Tim Douglas. Hey, my friends, welcome back to the Inspired Way Podcast. That was my buddy, John Shibley with Last in Line Leadership that you just heard. Definitely go check out his podcast. Uh, I had John on this podcast on episode 72. Episode 72, uh, Lead the Way is what we titled it. Um, it was all about leadership. His podcast is geared towards leadership. So if you're looking for that type of leadership uh kind of podcast, check John out. It's a great conversations that he has over there. He's having amazing guests. Oh my goodness. And, uh, but my conversation with him on here was actually one of my favorites. So episode 72, John Shibley lead the way. I was also on his podcast, so you can find me over there as well. But uh, John, man, you're doing a great work. Keep it up, brother. Hey, we have hit 100 episodes, my friends. I say we because you guys have been sharing it. You guys have been leaving rating and review and uh, supporting me along the way. And so I appreciate it. You guys have been listening. We are actually right on the cusp of 10,000 downloads as well. So I'd imagine by the time you all get done listening to this episode, man, we're going to hit 10,000 downloads. That's quite the accomplishment. Here we are, 100 episodes, 10,000 downloads, two years in. This has been an amazing ride. You know, I remember in October 2019, I went to Influencer, which was put on by Brendan Burchard, and Lewis Howes was there, and he was talking about podcasting. He says, if you're considering starting a podcast, don't. That's my advice. Don't do it. Don't do it unless you're committed to sticking with it for three to five years. And so that's what I went into this is like, okay, I'm committed. I'm committed to doing this for three to five years and beyond because I want to bring value to you guys. I want to inspire, empower you guys to do great things, to face those storms, to face the things that are challenging in our lives. And part of that is putting ourselves in challenging situations, as you know, as you hear every week, talking about doing hard things, doing the things that are uncomfortable, getting comfortable, being uncomfortable and doing it. It's where we grow. James 1, 2 through 4. Four says, count it all joy, knowing that our that that we're in a trial or test, knowing that our faith is being tested, knowing that our endurance has an opportunity to grow. Let it grow, let it grow, because when our endurance grows, when we have endurance in those areas that are challenging to us, that is when we are perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So don't take my word for it. Check it out, James one two through four. Guys, I got an amazing episode for you coming up. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Inspired Way Podcast. This show is designed to inspire and empower you to face the daily storms of life with passion, strength, and courage. We believe that we can be transformed by the testing of these storms, growing stronger, not wavering in our faith, and a knowing that our endurance will be strengthened. And when it is all said and done, we'll be perfect and complete, body, soul, and spirit. For we seek to control the controllables and nothing more. Our goal with this show and company is to keep a posture of learning by renewing our minds daily 
and taking action on what we have learned so that when the storms of life come our way, we are ready to face the storm. We, 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 we are ready to face the storm. Episode 100 is here. Yes, episode 100. I am celebrating. I hope you guys are celebrating along with me. Uh, this is uh, this is huge. Super excited for this episode um, to have my friend Justin Hamilton on here. And we'll get into that in just a moment. But first, thank you so much to my partners over the course of the last two years, Salty Britches and Naked Warrior Recovery. Guys, check them out. You can go to timdouglasinspires.com forward slash partners. All about their products on there. There's also promo codes that you can use to get 20% off every single purchase that you do. And it's also a way to support American made brands and support this podcast. So thank you so much for you, you guys who are heading over there, supporting these companies and supporting this podcast. Thank you so much. Another great way to support this podcast. Several of you have done this already. You've headed over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash the inspired way. And you've bought me a coffee, coffee and said, hey, Tim, really love what you're doing. Appreciate what you're doing. Keep up the good work. Here's a, here's a cup of coffee on me. And so if you guys would like to do that, just shoot me a text or shoot me a like. There's a message where you can leave a message in there. And uh, we'll set up a virtual coffee date. Would love to do that. Date. Listen to me. Meet up. That sounds kind of weird. Coffee meet up, and uh, we'll just kind of uh, get to know each other over a cup of coffee. I love doing that. Love catching up, networking with others. So head on over there and check that out, uh, and uh, buy me a cup of coffee if you feel the need to. So, all right, my episode 100 with Justin Hamilton. And if you have not listened to episode 64 with Justin Hamilton, you need to press pause right here. I hate to say that, but you got to press pause and go listen to episode 64 with Justin Hamilton, running from himself to running with himself. It really sets this conversation up because we talk a lot about his past life, the, the challenges that he faced, um, the storms that he faced, how he was a cow in many of those situations, and now he, how he's transitioned into this magnificent, bold uh, buffalo, and he's charging life. He's charging the storms of life with passion, strength, and courage, and I love that for love him for that. And so you got to go check that episode out if you haven't. But this episode here, episode 100, it is a long one. You've seen already that the time on this thing, and you're like, holy crap, really? Yeah. Yeah, it was a great conversation. I'm just going to set it up real quick. The first half, we talk about um, really leading up to Mid-State, like what got the him there. It was really a year in a, in a making, and he called his shot uh, a year ahead of time, and he started pre- preparing for it, started running races for it. So we break those other races down, the lessons that he learned f- through those, and the lessons that we apply those things to our life, like stinking thinking like getting rid of that stuff and pushing beyond you know the quit the moments where we just want to quit in our lives is like pushing beyond those things and the things that we can learn not just from ultras but how to apply it in our life and so the first half is really about that the you know his uh, uh, the cruel jewel the tennessee mile his amazing showing at um, the Fierce Dragon 200, and then the training leading up to Midstate. And the second half of this conversation is all about Midstate. Uh, we go, we break it all the way down. So you're not going to want to miss one second of this amazing conversation with my buddy, my friend, Justin Hamilton. Here we go. Justin, what's up, my friend? What is that, brother? 
What is up? What is up? So, hey, man, uh, thanks again for this. I'm excited. Episode 100, and I'm so honored, so honored to have you uh, on this uh, episode as as we were sharing. Um, actually, last weekend, we were talking about this, and I'm thinking, man, I got episode 100 coming up. And I couldn't think about what to do. What you know, it's like the atypical podcast. You know, the ten things I've learned over the course of two years or a hundred yeah. episodes. You know, and I'm like, how cheesy! That's going to be like so weird and so typical. And and um, and then I was. It was the week of midday, and I was like, oh my gosh! Next week, the week like the Tuesday, not the Tuesday after midday, but the following one. I was like. Oh my gosh, it's going to be, uh, that's going to be episode 100. And I was just like, I got to have Justin on. I got to have Justin oh, on. That's how confident I was, my friend. <laughs> like, Dude, yes. Thank so, you. Yeah, man. Super honored to have you back on. And um, your podcast or the podcast that we did together, the episode. 64 was, uh, I think has well over 600, uh, downloads. It's ridiculous. Oh yeah. It's like by far, like, I think it's the next one is around 300, uh, downloads. So, I mean, we're approaching. That was my first podcast. Oh, really? Oh, wow. That's cool. It is monumental, man. And that's why I thought it was awesome because you do get approached um, by people. Um, sometimes there'll be really popular podcasts or sometimes there'll be not so popular ones like you'll have you know a friend who maybe has like a thousand downloads altogether but you get approached after races or do recaps and i knew for mid-state mile it was going to be the inspired way it is yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) awesome and i'm so honored to to have this uh, opportunity to sit down and recap it but uh let's uh Let's build into it a little bit. The last episode that we did together, episode 64, we shared a lot of the back history of we, so we won't necessarily want to go into all of that. Um, but a lot of that actually helped fuel you as well for yeah. mid state, for Fierce Dragon 200, Tennessee. I mean, there was some of your past, you know, um, Edgar more specifically right? Just the oh, honoring, yeah. honoring him and that fuel that drove you. So uh, let's, let's start there. So like you were, uh, cause yeah, you're right on that last episode, you talked about like, I'm coming for mid state. Yeah. And so, oh, yeah. and this was uh, August, I think we recorded the end of August. It was released early September and you had several races between that. So you had Georgia jewel, Tennessee and the fierce dragon. So let's, let's start there. Uh, where we left off and kind of just build into the mid-state. Because I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, all of that was preparation and and setting you up for uh, mid-state here in June. Yeah, absolutely. So when I, I what had happened is I, I ran the Cruel Jewel 100, which is a notorious race here in the South. And it's notorious for being, uh, for having lots of elevation gain in a sense that it doesn't have switchbacks. So you go up and down, just like mm. the murder mile. Yeah. So I had ran that race and uh, I was kind of like injured. I was recovering from it and it was Father's Day weekend. And I was like, well, I'll go check out this mid-state mile because I, I was following uh, Salty Bridges, uh, three of seven, it, you know, the whole, I was following the community and um, everyone was sharing about mid-state. I was like, that'd be cool to go bring the boys to spectate at. Yeah. And when, when I saw the, 
the, the platform and when I saw how it was ran, I really, I was really confident that I could, that I could do well in that type of format because it was, it was taken away, you know, those fast, those, not taking away the fast athletes because they still come and they still shine, yep. but it kind of takes away the edge that they have and it levels the playing field. And it's mm. more of like a human will versus human will. <laughs> if, yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and so I was, I got super stoked and I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to train for this race. And at the time, um, Chad Wright was the, uh, the record holder and, you know, not the guy with the target on his back, so to say, but if you were daydreaming about going there and winning, you were probably had him somewhere in your daydream, you know? Sure. Um, so I was like, okay, what race has Chad done? And I looked up and I was like, he did cruel jewel. I was like, cool. I just did that. All right. What's another one he's done? Oh, Georgia jewel. I was like, okay. Well, I'll knock that out with the hometown race. Um, I heard great things and it, it'll help me mentally if I go there and do well. And so I went there with a, you know, the idea of trying to beat Chad Wright's time uh, just for that. Uh, I don't know, to get a little extra mental fortitude when I came to race day on the, on the murder mile to say, hey, you know, he does have this reputation, but I've, I've, I've done, you know, by the numbers, I, I can hold my own with them, you know? Absolutely. And so I went there and that didn't happen. I ended up going, uh, I ended up going under 24 hours, but yeah. the goal was to run like 21, 30 or something like that. And I ended up 23, 50, but, uh, it was still a great learning experience in the sense that that goal went out the window pretty early on. Um, mm -hmm. and I got to, you know, first swallow you know that humble pie because i talk i, I call all my shots before my race yeah. i say what i'm going to try what i'm going to try yeah. to do. <laughs> and uh, so, you know this was like 40 miles in i was like well mathematically and physiologically this isn't going to happen and so we had to swallow that and come up with another goal right on the fly and it was sub 24 and i remember when i finished i was so excited to have met that new goal i've forgot about that other one initially and people would uh remember the first person was like hey i'm sorry you didn't hit your goal man and i looked at him for a second i was like oh that's right i did have another goal uh, <laughs> that's how small it became um yeah and and so in that process so that, and then i went to tennessee mile and with the same kind of idea of i'm going to go here and do good uh if i can you know both because it's good training to get out there and see the course and to run around it for 24 hours. Um, and also, uh, if I could go out there and do good, it would make a, make a name for myself, you know, and there's no, I'm not going to shy away from saying that some people get beat in these last man standing races before the race season starts. Um, whether it be like, you know, half the field knowing for certain that they cannot beat Chad Wright in their heart mm. of hearts. Um, or knowing, Hey, that guy has the 24 hour course record and now yeah. he's running the flow. He, he's probably going to go pretty far. And so there was lots of, you know, there was a, a many different angles to why I ran Tennessee mile and wanted to, wanted to, and successfully broke the course record. Um, it was something else in my toolbox come race day. Um, so and let's then get those, let's do yeah. those numbers real quick. 24 hours. What was the, what were the loops? It was 80, uh, I can't remember the 70 something loops, but it was 83 miles with like 27,000 feet of gain. Phew. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, so to compare to mid-state mile, my pace, I believe for that was around a 15 minute pace for 24 hours. Yeah. And which is like what Luke Boltzweiler does. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, so, and then, so, so yeah, so about 15 minute pace, I believe it was. And then, um, the Georgia jewel, it's a hundred miles and it has about 16,000 feet of gain. 
It's mm-hmm. a whole different beast in itself, though. It's it's definitely a race geared towards those faster guys. Mm. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to hang with them because they there's not a whole there's not enough gain to really slow down and hike. Uh, so they're all running, and I was just wow, yeah, the, like the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that so that one was it was you know it was a gut check you know what I mean, but it was good sure. uh, for pride and training, and and then we had fierce dragon. This one. Fierce yeah, dragon. I want to set this one up. I want to like pull this one out because you went through a lot there um, yeah. going into this Fierce Dragon. So, I, yeah, go for Yeah, man. So, this race was my A race before I ever learned of Mid State. Um, and then I learned of Mid State and I got so consumed with training for Mid State. I pretty much, I obviously didn't forget about Fierce Dragon because I knew it was coming. Yeah. But I stopped. Necessary. I, I wasn't scared about it. You know, I mean, I wasn't mm-hmm. thinking about it. And then I remember specifically two weeks leading up to the race, I was looking, I was passing the mountains that I was about to be running through, and I looked up, and it just looked like deathly. The skies were black, <laughs> and it was like I was like, man, you know, how am I going to run through that? Uh, and wow, and I and I had made the claim that I was going to break the course record by a day, so I was right. going to run in eighty six hours. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, so I, I remember like last, and like this winter was coming this week. Yes, I'm, we I went to like last minute this place called Mountain Crossings down the road. It's right on the uh, where the Appalachian Trail crosses over to Blood Mountain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went there. I was like, hey, I told them what was happening. I need some winter gear. They hooked me up with a bunch of stuff, and we started that race. And <clears throat> I essentially trained, you know, for a year. I did the same thing for Mid State. I went to Vogel State Park two winters ago and i saw the race happening and i was like what oh, is cool. this yeah and they said this is fierce dragon 200 and i was like what and i was there training and i, I remember going up and i was on top of kusa ball it's one of the highest points on the um the course and i remember seeing trekking pole marks but they were like they were being drugged they weren't being oh, wow. the ground. like someone was just walking and dragging the pole and i remember thinking man i want to know what that feels like to just yes. forego your for uh, you just you're just a zombie uh yeah. and i was like man because I, I was on the journey i was on the journey of like pushing myself to my mental and physical limits and i was like that i haven't been there <laughs> what was what was the prior to this prior to fierce dragon 200 what was the thing that pushed you to that limit or you thought like or you thought was and you then you knew like oh wait i have a little bit more like what was there something else that pushed you to that point or close to it, at least close to it yeah, I was I was in the process of becoming a Green Beret when I was in the Army. And right. that pipeline um, known as the Q course, the Special Forces Qualification course, it's held on uh, Fort Bragg at the John F. Kennedy Special Warfare mm-hmm. Center. And I was in the phase they call small unit tactics. And I don't, I quit. So I don't know what my limits were. I quit before I was physically or mentally exhausted. I quit because I was uncomfortable and I was doing what people do in ultras and what I call now is stinking thinking. I wasn't thinking mm. about how I felt in the moment. I was thinking about how I was going to feel four more days without sleep. Oh, gotcha. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I quit. So so my motivation in races and, and trying to reach my limits, I guess that would be the closest I was. Um, yeah, there's nothing that a race director is going to do to you that those guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. uh, you know well, what and that's the thing about races. It's It's you. It's you pushing yourself to that brink. It's you getting to that point or beyond it, not someone else yelling and screaming at you to 
motivate you to get further or to go further. Like that stinking thinking has to be the stinking, you know, a drill sergeant in your head, not, you know, the other thoughts, the negative thoughts. It's got to turn, you got to flip the switch to like something intrinsic, intrinsically that is pushing you beyond your external situations. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I, I remember, so I did my first mountain race and it was the bull mountain 100 K and I was about mile 40 in that one. And I wanted to quit. And I, I was, I was at a crossroads. I was physically knew I was probably injured a little bit and, you know, could quit. I I guess based off of society standards, most people would have saw the way my feet and stuff looked and been like, yeah, you know, you needed to stop. But then I started thinking about the Q course and how I quit there and how, you know, mm. I, I didn't, I didn't reach my limits yet. And I pushed right on through because just because of the Q course, but I don't think about the Q course anymore. It's a, uh, when it gets, I don't often want to quit. Um, You've worked beyond when, that. Yeah. As far as quitting, but I mean, at a place like mid state, it's different because you don't necessarily have to quit. You could just get a little bit weak on one loop and you're oh yeah covered. you're done yeah you're yeah. right but at fierce dragon i was like i knew how fast i'd done the first 80 miles so i i prepped for fierce dragon and you know race day came and about 11 miles in i start feeling my it band and it was something mm-hmm. that happened towards the end of tennessee mile and i started not feeling it like pain but just knowing that you know i normally don't feel this right uh, yeah and I was like, well, okay. And I kept the pace. It didn't affect my pace at all. And there was no pain. And then, so I got back, that was the first 40 mile traverse and it was rest time. And when I went back out the second time, I started feeling it as far as pain wise. And then after about, and I, but I kept the same pace, everything was good. But then about mile 80, you know, when I went out, so that was the second traverse. And then I went out for my third 40 mile traverse. And these are 40 mile traverses with 12,000 feet of gain in them. And, and it's an out and back. Yeah. Yeah. You run from Vogel State Park uh, yeah. in North Georgia into all the way to Ski Down Gap in such as Georgia. And you run back. And you do that until you collect 200 miles and 66,000 feet of gain. <laughs> and so on my third trip out, my knee became uh, a pace affecting issue. I could no longer really run. And mm-hmm. so it was at that point in time that I was like, wow, you know, um, it wasn't like mid-state. Cause even if in mid-state, if you get hurt, you can't, you can get saved by getting timed out in a sense. You know what I mean? Right, it's right. not you saying, I quit. Here's the towel. It's he was out on the course. He gave it his all. Even if you're out there hiding behind a tree, waiting for the clock to come out, <laughs> right. so it doesn't matter. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> I, and ask me how I know, cause I was almost there and we'll get there. Yes. Uh, I want to talk about that. But so here I am at Fierce Dragon. I'm like, there's no saving me from this. Uh, <laughs> I've talked such, and I haven't, it's not a game. I have, I speak my standard um, so much, which is stay in the fight, get a buckle, miss a cutoff or die. And I was like, here's my, here's my opportunity. I pulled my phone out and I made a story. And I was like, well, here's my opportunity yeah. to, you know, live my words and to stay in the fight because I'm going to have to hike for the next uh, 120 miles. Whew. And I was like, I'll be lucky to finish this thing in time. Yeah, yeah to, and, to make uh, the cutoff, exactly. Yeah, I wanted to beat the record by a day. Now I'm like, I might finish. Yeah. And and uh, it became a, a whole new battle again, just like Georgia Jules. That timeline went out in the window, and it was like, 
just getting a buckle. And I say more than any other race, Fierce Dragon humbled me. Um, mm, how so? It, because I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Like I knew, mm. I knew I was tough and I knew that I could ascend and descend these mountains on the DRT better than a lot of people that I saw. Um, and I just bit off more than I could chew because I hadn't done it. I hadn't done it. And I made a plan based off of, you know, my cruel drool time. And what really happened is I made a plan and I let, <clears throat> wasn't one or people, wasn't two people. It was a million people. <laughs> naysay me into softening up my plan. I wanted mm -hmm. to go out there and run until I got tired and then go to sleep. Everyone was like, that's not going to work. You need to sleep on every traverse. And I couldn't yeah. sleep the first time. I couldn't sleep the first time. And so I went back out and now I'm, you know, four hours off the, off the course, but I didn't sleep. I was tossing and turning in bed. And then I ended up falling asleep on course and stuff. And it was just, I mean, one, I bit off more than I could chew. Two, I let other people's naysaying and their fear of the race get in my own head. Mm. Uh, thinking, and that, thinking. That, yeah, thinking, thinking, man. And, I, and I, I'm going to leave it at those two. Um, and so I ended up finishing in 113 hours, seven hours before the cutoff. And the guy who were in it with me broke uh, the course record by a day. He finished in 86 hours. Which was pretty wow. awesome because a lot of people who got in my head were saying that essentially what I was trying to do was close to impossible. And it was nice to know, not, not me not get it, but to see impossible. See it done. I, I'm putting quotes in the air to see impossible yeah. get, uh, you know, annihilated. Um, yeah. So that was the Fierce Dragon, man. And that was, that's one of those races that it doesn't matter what your time goal was. Because uh, mm -hmm. the guy, his time goal was much quicker than what he finished. But it's one of those that you get the buckle and you're doing, I mean, there's eight finishers in the history of the race and it's, wow. it's a coveted, it's a, it's a, it's something you just don't care what your time was anymore. That being yeah. said, <clears throat> I am going to go back and uh, get the course record. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, of <laughs> course it's coming. <laughs> in January. <laughs> in January. But can I, before we move off past this here, I, um, it's so, I just want to like, for the listeners that don't know, like what happened on the trail there, um, cause I was following your stories along the way because you were a story, you know, posting stories at where you were at and all this stuff. And so it was really the only way, at least for me, it was the only way that I knew how to stay in touch with you or to know where you were at on the course and man, but to see that, like what I'm about to say correlates so much to life. Like in life, we can be going, we can have a plan. Like I think in Mike Tyson, everybody has a plan until they're punched in the face, right? Yeah. And so it's like you you had this plan and we have this plan in life that we're going to do X, Y, Z. And we're going to live this way and we're going to have this house and we're going to do this and this type of family and yada, yada, yada. And then, you know, storms happen, storms come. Now you're in the midst of a storm, like something's going wrong and, you know, it's gone awry, your plan. Now you have to shift. You have to create a new plan to get through this particular storm. Now you're trying to get through this particular storm and a blizzard hits you because yeah. that's exactly what happened to yeah. you on Fierce Dragon is you're here now facing the storm with your knee. Okay. The time's out. Okay. Now I've got to hike this thing. I got to hike it to get, you know, to make sure I don't time out. And, and under normal conditions, that's a challenge, but now a storm's coming in like a legitimate storm, L literally a blizzard. Yeah. Yeah. Blizzard. I, <laughs> Cause it was blizzarding. It was like almost white out here. And I'm like, 
as a crow flies, probably an hour from this. So we get everything that you guys are getting there in Blairsville. And so it just was, it just, it was, yeah, it was crazy. Cause I would can imagine like up on the mountain, I saw these pictures of you, you know, where the, I think the snow was like sideways, sideways you know, yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, it was a different, it was a, and I don't want to paint the wrong picture. It's not like that on the entire course, but on every single peak, it's like yeah. Armageddon. And there is, you know, what, 10 each way. So 20, you know I mean, that's a rough yep. estimate. And you're just, and it is like snow sideways. Trees are literally falling around you. And I mean, you're just, it's, I don't know. It was, Where was I your found, head at? Uh, so yeah, in that point, and I know a lot of people who run ultras will relate with this. At that point in time, you're like, dude, I wish a tree would fall on me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm so tired. Like, there's no way that that's what's going to take me out right now. I'm yeah. going to have to live in this reality until I cross the finish line. It's not going to be a tree. And that's stupid mm. because a tree could very well fall on you. Sure. Um, but so I, I did ask my buddy who I was with, Rich Higgins, and I was like, uh, yeah, so what do we do? And he was like, uh, when you hear the tree falling, you know, you run to the biggest tree you can find and you get to the base and you just duck down <laughs> and he's like, and you hope you found the right side. And <laughs> you, you yeah. got one of those, what's the chances? Yeah. You got like 25% chance. You're good. Yeah. Well, there you go. No. And that's, uh, I think that's, <laughs> there's so much there. Uh, that's why I love talking to guys that do ultras and do endurance and hard things is finding, uh, you know, finding that edge, you, you're able to, or being in those places of doing hard things, going through adversity, it, it translates so much into life, like as a father, as a husband, as a business owner, you know, as a business owner, you know, it's yeah. like crazy, you know, it's like, okay, like I've gone through this over here and it's, you know, and you now I can take these things here and apply them into my life or in my business and, and things like that. So, um, because there are times when, you know, it feels like, you know, all hell's falling around you, you know, everything's, you know, chaos yeah. is going on. And I love that analogy of just, when you hear it, just go to the nearest tree, which could be the strongest person in your life. Yeah. Like who's the strongest person in your life, go <clears> to them and lean on them during that time. So, um, that's cool, man. I love, uh, hearing that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> we got done with Fierce Dragon. Um, my wife was crewing me with my kids and some other friends, uh, but Steph and the kids were there for 113 hours. Um, my, and the dogs, we didn't have boarding. So my wife was going back and forth, let the dogs out. So we got done. And it was like 3 a.m. Yeah. And <laughs> my kids are up. Everyone's wide awake. And then you're done. And everyone's like, all right. And then literally the lights go off and everyone disappears and everyone goes home. And we're like, well, good thing, you know, we're right down the road and we get there and the power's out. It's freezing. Mm. I have a generator that I just bought and it's in its cardboard case that just got delivered. I, uh, I didn't have oil for it. And so I was done, but I wasn't done. That life, it was like, okay, yeah, your fun race is over, but now life is here and you got to keep your yeah. family alive in the North Georgia mountains. After the freaking 200, you're having to do all this. <laughs> you know? yeah, sure. yeah. And so we go to get oil and we, we had to clear trees. Um, mm -hmm. And it was, it was, it was hectic, but it was, it was such a, it's something that's 
Stephanie and I talk about often is like, and not to compare myself to people who don't have kids or, you know, because some people don't have, you know, the ability to have kids. I would never compare myself to them. But it has helped me and given me an edge situations like that to where, you know, whether Stephanie picks me up at a trailhead after a 34 mile self-supported effort, if she picks me up at 10 a.m., although I've been up for 30 hours, no, it's 10 a.m. on Saturday. Now it's family time, you know? Yeah. And that's, and that stuff hardens me because I don't, I used to allow myself to get tired and to let it affect the outside world and I'd be cranky, but now I don't. And, um, essentially just because I guess I'm not tired. I don't know. Um, Yeah. How do you do that? Like what's the, what's the mental shift, you know, because to me, like going back to our original, you know, thing we were talking about earlier of of hitting that breaking point, that mental and emotional, physical, just exhaustion. Like you've been out for 30 hours and now you come home, it's 10 AM and home life doesn't stop. The kids are full of energy, ready to go and ready to Mm -hmm. see dad. So like, I get it, dude. I've been there too, where I come home and I'm, I'm done and and I didn't do a good job of that. So like, how are you, uh, what is it that you're doing, saying to yourself, whatever it is to like switch? Okay. We're still in the game. Like, just like you would be out on the trail essentially. So it came with uh, the first year of ultra running for me was, I mean, I was new, naive, and I was just grasping at trying to be great. And I, you know, mm. physiologically wasn't. My, I didn't have the mechanics. Um, so I was utterly exhausted a lot of the time. And it made for, you know, an unstable household. And I, I found that, you know, it was, although it was better than being drunk, um, my family was sacrificing because of running. And then so I was mm-hmm. like, well, I'll figure, some, figure something out. Um, and really what it was is I was lifting I was running, I was swimming, I was biking, and I was just doing everything. And I used to call myself like a mountain mutant. That's what it was. Um, <laughs> and I was just, I would, my goal was to bench press 305 pounds and to finish top 10 at Cruel Drill 100. Um, and I got close. I was benching 300 and I finished like 15th. Um, wow. Yeah. But at the detriment of my family. And sure. um, eventually I just started, I stopped fighting the world so much and like like so i'd be like i don't want to lift at all but i'm gonna so i'd slam a pre-workout and i'd lift for two hours and i'd get it done and i was like i just like clockwork i was like a robot um but then i stopped fighting that and i stopped you know what i don't want to work i don't want to lift i'm not gonna lift i'm gonna run that's what i want to do or i'll do mobility instead i started like i stopped fighting the universe man and like i really i tell people all the time I feel like God just continues to show me the path of least resistance. And now, mm-hmm. like in unlike any other time in my life, I take that path. I used to be like, man, yeah. that looks good, but I think I'll go this way. Mm-hmm. Now, now I'm like, oh, I see you. I see the light. I'm going this way. Yeah. And with that, man, I don't now. So this is this. That was in the past. Uh, now, I mean, you ask my wife and well, we don't know. I don't know why. I'm not, I don't get tired anymore. I can go mm-hmm. off of... <clears throat> The 20 minute naps. So what yeah. I didn't know at Fierce Dragon was that I could go off a 20 minute nap. Those 20 minute naps, I would go to sleep with these uh, beats by Dre in blasting uh, rain on a tent. Mm-hmm. So that's the sound I would blast. And I would be asleep in a second and I would wake up fully recharged. And Stephanie saw it the first time. She was like, oh yeah, these naps would be good for you. Yeah. And uh, we talked about it after and we talked about Fierce Dragon. I was like, yeah, I'm going to... 
fierce dragon i slept 18 hours out of the 113 i i plan to sleep about an hour and a half at most on this next trip that's how much i learned from mid-state mile and uh my ability to uh, put in work off a little sleep yeah so it's like but nowadays man i really don't know i don't it, i mean a lot of people send me sleep study stuff and you know sleep influencers on instagram tell me i'm gonna have dementia and all this other stuff um well i had a lot of uh it was funny no i didn't have a lot i was gonna say when i was an alcoholic and i was drinking a liter of whiskey a day no one was sending me any studies about how you know my brain was gonna be uh, no one cared about anything right. uh, so i'm like if i get dementia yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, that's the way I look at it. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you're just able to, it's, it's just, it's not something that you mentally have to tell yourself, like I'm completely exhausted. I gotta, I gotta turn this on because I, my family needs me. It's just, you're just, you're just ready to go still. I'm ready. To, when I see no, my family, awesome. I, when I see yeah. my family, I am because I used to not be, I used to yeah, be the drag yeah. and get into the car. And I just don't allow myself to do that anymore. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So, well, before we jump into, uh, leading up your training, leading up into mid-state and then getting into the nitty gritties of that. Um, you made a major move uh, from Canton to Blairsville during this time frame as well, like prior yeah. to the fierce, but like, what was that move for? Because there's a lot of things that I've seen in you, just knowing you since you've made that move. And I, I'm big on changing up our environment, moving, you know, uh, because we get complacent, we get settled in where we are, but when we change and we move our environment for a purpose or for a mission or for something like that, man, it's, it does wonders for us. And that's what I think I saw with you. And was that strategic, that move to Blairsville? Yeah. So that the move to Blairsville was strategic in two different ways. Um, one for my running, uh, there's, I mean, around here, this is, this yeah. is it. Uh, yeah. And then two for our happiness, um, without going too far into it, because just for time purposes, um, yeah. I'm an open book, you know that. But yeah. so my son, Gabriel, was um, experiencing some serious issues um, in his school, in kindergarten. Mm. And um, it didn't take long for me to put evidence together that it wasn't, you know, and I hate to sound like the cliche parent, it's not my kid, but... <laughs> I, there was, I was trying to communicate with the teacher and there was just none. So we were like, well, I mean, I'm talking, the kid was getting off the bus crying every day. He was depressed mm. at five. Um, and I was just like, we need to do something. I'm going to homeschool him. I wasn't working. I was just running. And I was like, I can run and I can homeschool at the same time. And we pulled him out and we pulled him out with the idea of, hey, we're going to move as well to somewhere that's more suitable for all of our personalities. Cause at the same time, my wife was working in a corporate job that was, you know, denying her promotions for ridiculous reasons. And, you know, I, they actually said, one of the last things they said to her before she quit was uh, that she wasn't strategic enough for one of these positions that she was applying for. And her, the position that she currently held was a logistics analyst and she had been in, two combat deployments to Afghanistan in charge of millions of dollars of military equipment, but wasn't strategic enough to yeah. ship this item across America. Uh, so <laughs> we were just, we were so utterly insulted uh, that she was like, okay, we started looking at the housing market. We started looking at our finances. We started looking at our cars and we were like, all right, if we, we sell our house, we get half the house, we sell our cars, get half the cars. Uh, we basically get rid of everything we don't use a need, then 
we could essentially not work. Stephanie's a hundred percent permanently disabled uh, veteran. Mm -hmm. We could essentially not work. It would be tight, but we could not work. Um, and that wasn't our plan is to go live and not work forever, but it was certainly our plan to go move and to not work and to figure out what we wanted to do. Sure. And, yeah. And that process, I started really hammering the, um, ultra coaching certifications, And I started, uh, getting into my books again for, uh, my master's degree, which I'm fully on right now and should be done hopefully before, you know, this year for nice. Fierce dragon. I'm hoping, yeah, that'd be nice. So, yeah, so I started hammering all that and Stephanie got out here and I don't know what it was. She started getting pulled to welding where she wants to, mm. she still had, she got her master's degree and she's like, I still don't feel like really going to look for a job with my master's degree yet. I still have some GI bill. Let me go. Now she's going to welding school. She just applied and got accepted. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she, she's literally, we're just like, she's following her happiness in a sense, like, she doesn't necessarily know what she wants to do, but she know that she doesn't want to go invest 10 hours a day for a company that doesn't invest anything in her. Yeah. Yeah. If she doesn't financially have to at the moment. Mm -hmm. And, and I, as, as you know, I just launched Vertex ultra coaching. Mm -hmm. Um, and it took a lot longer than I thought because we're doing it legit. Um, you know, I just got my, uh, tax ID number from the IRS, you know, nice. we're doing, we're doing uh, the whole thing, man. And we deliberately pursued a So for a short answer, our move was deliberately pursuing happiness and the best training grounds for ultra running. In the yeah. Field. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, that's kind of what, what my thought was just from following you and knowing you is, you know, we had had that conversation, but I, so thanks for sharing that, but that's kind of how I was thinking. It was, it just kind of set you up. Cause I saw the happiness come in. I saw like how you guys are just enjoying life where you are, but then of course, yes, the training grounds you're in like primo land out there. So, <laughs> yeah, but, um, so yeah, so let's transition then, uh, leading. So you, you, you've, you really kind of uh, then turned your focus after Fierce Dragon. Now, of course, obviously it was on the radar, but now it's like a number one, top of the list, mid-state. And you did a lot of training, bro. Like following yeah. your training plan was just intense. And, and uh, but let's, uh, let's dive into that. Let's like, let's go into, I mean, it, what was the training like going into mid-state? Was it atypical or was there some things that you learned through that? that you were able to apply coming into or, or during, during mid-state? Yeah. So my idea for when I started looking at my training plan for mid-state, I wanted to, so for Cruel Jewel and Georgia Jewel, I was trying to get cl as close to hundred mile weeks as possible during mm. my peak weeks. And for no other reason is I just saw everyone else doing that. Um, mm. And then for mid-state, I was like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I've learned now, and that's go get quality miles over quantity miles. And so whereas a lot of people were going and running 100,000 or 100 miles and getting 15,000 feet of gain, I was running 40 miles and getting 15,000 feet of gain, which closer relates. I mean, what I was doing was egregious. It was, um, it was I mean, I was training for the impossible. I was told that I could not go here if a certain somebody showed up and went so that I would have to train more than anyone on this planet. Mm -hmm. And in the process of doing that, about halfway through my training, I knew that I could beat him. I knew that I could beat anybody who showed yeah. up 
on my good day with God's will. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I knew it. And, and I got excited because I was like, man, I have, I remember making a post. I was like, man, I've just built my foundation and now I'm going to compound on top of that. Yeah. And and that's when I told Steph, I was like, I'm confident um, that I'm, I'm a contender for this race um, now. You know what I mean? I've talked it up because I thought, but now I know. And Mm -hmm. Throughout, so when that happened, I was like, well, now I need to double down. Um, I really need to. But I, at the same time, I was putting a lot of focus on recovery, mobility, and strength work, where I had subtracted a lot of those miles that I was running, mm-hmm. where I used to be doing like maybe 15, 19-hour weeks. I might be doing 12-hour weeks now running, but with four hours a week of mobility and, and strength. Wow, and stuff. yeah. And like stuff that you wouldn't, I mean... I'm talking hip bands and like stuff that you see 80 year olds doing over on the mats in the gym. I was what I was doing. Um, and I, I did that 34 mile thing that, I, uh, that 34 mile self-supported effort from my front door to Vogel state park via, um, the Appalachian trail and the Duncan Ridge trail. Mm-hmm. I did that. And when I did that, I remember every time I crossed a hard ball, uh, a hard ball road on the uh, Appalachian trail, I thought about stopping and telling Steph to come pick me up because mm-hmm. this was past that point where I was confident that I could be a contender. So I was like, all this, I don't need to hurt myself. You know what I mean? Right, right. This is all extra. But then I was like, well, that's, that's a quitting feeling right there. I'm going to push. Ooh, that's good. Ball. Yeah. So, and so, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's a, that's interesting because I, I have felt that at times too. And I'm sure like listeners have felt that like, okay, um, you know, I don't want to do any more to jeopardize. And so that is, it's a, it's a, it's a quitting or kind of a cop-out almost because you can still go forward and still be very deliberate in what you're doing and very, uh, and not be sloppy about it. Right. Absolutely. I mean, it, so it, I, so it was just a small chance for a reason. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not going to get right. hurt. I'm right. not going to overtrain. I've done the math, this training run, it's here for a reason. I mapped it out a week ago for a reason. I'm just looking for a reason out. And yeah. <laughs> and that's what I, I remember. I, I was like, I'm 20 miles in and I have 10,000 mm-hmm. feet of gain. Like that's a great training run. And, but I'm not done at 14 miles to go. And on that training run. So every time I hit a hardball road, I, I got that same feeling, but I would just push through it. And it got to where the last hardball road I hit when I was at, I crossed over that store I mentioned earlier, mountain crossings. Mm-hmm. I ran, I saw the road coming. I ran so fast across it. I probably went like a maniac. <laughs> We're not going to stop. Like, not even thinking, <laughs> not even thinking about it. And so that training run is when I learned, I was like, man, I can make myself want to quit. If I can make myself want to quit, that's the mo- that's the best training uh, available. You know what I mean? And it, it, it is very, very, very hard for a human being to push themselves to the point to where it's hard to say, because I mean, you get someone who go run a mile that's unhealthy and they're going to want to quit halfway through, but you get someone to, to push themselves to where they're physiologically stopping their body is giving up, whether that be your dry heating, you're getting muscle cramps, uh, you know, almost like neuromuscular incapacitation. Like you're not controlled anymore. You're giving up to reach that point is like, it's very hard for a human being to do it. And wow. I reached that point so many times in training for mid state mm. that by the time I got to the race, I was ready for anything that was yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. 
So I love that because you've you've taken yourself there through training. And and for me, you know, when I was training like so I obviously, you know, I did my first 50k in January, which is this seems like a laugh right now because we're talking about 200 miles and 128 on mid murder. But for me, it was like the first, the longest distance I'd ever gone time on my feet and just getting into it, you know, but man, I enjoyed the training and the things that I learned in the training. I love that because I was able to apply that to the actual race and, and, and more so to life as well. Like the patience, just being patient and, and working through those thoughts, those thinking, thinking you're right. And, and wanting to quit even out on, on, on a training run or something like that. It's like, okay, it'll be okay if I just you know, ease up the rest of the way. And it's like, no, if I ease up the rest of the way here, what's that do for me? You know, cause that stuff all compounds. And yep. I love that, you know, you just continue to press through that. Hey, my friends, just dropping in here real quick. We'll get back to the conversation with Justin in just a moment, but I just wanted to say, hey, we have another open range night coming up July 7th, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Go to timdouglasinspires.com forward slash happenings to find uh, or to RSVP. Would love to see you there. This is where I invite all you listeners to come be a part of this Zoom, kind of a Zoom party. We hop on Zoom. I'll share a quick little tidbit, encouraging word for you guys, and then open it up for Q&A and get to know you guys as the listeners. That way, it's not just me every single week you're just hearing, but now I'm actually opening this up for you guys to come and join me in a conversation. So, Check it out, timdouglasinspires.com forward slash happenings for the next open range night, July 7th, 7 p.m. All right, guys, back to my conversation with Justin Hamilton. So let's uh, let's work into mid-state because uh, we're right there and we're leading up into this. <clears throat> Coming in, man, I, I felt super confident with you as well. I just, I just had this, this overwhelming... Um, I don't know. Like you were the, you were the man, you were the man, regardless, honestly, regardless of who showed up. Yeah. uh, I appreciate you saying that. And you're not the only person that felt that to include myself. Um, Mm -hmm. And I really don't know why I felt that Mm -hmm. way, but as far as performance anxiety, I had it the week prior, maybe sometimes I'd be driving down the road and I'd get a little bit nervous. um, just thinking about the race start, but as far Mm -hmm. as race day, I was, iron focused man i was yeah, not yeah. I, I was like so this is everyone else is here you know if uh, what i told stephanie i said if they knew how far i was ready to go they would go home right now <laughs> That's awesome. they would yeah. leave they would yeah. leave and um i was ready bro and uh so what happens with mid-state holy smokes what happened with me what i saw happen time and time again it happened with me more than once is the patience thing you hit on it, yeah. you, you lose patience and whether that be and i don't i got drawn into i don't know if it was the ten, the attention you get when you come in mm. first maybe yeah. i don't or i don't know because i knew I, I knew race strategy wise when i would come in at 16 minutes i was like why why am i doing yeah this? yeah and i would only do that for like a loop or two and then i would back mm-hmm. off and get right back right and so the race starts okay the race starts stephanie's there as my as my crew with the kids and then all you guys are are you know just ready <laughs> ready to get called on um, 
I had an army and it was insane, insane, insanely beautiful how many people stepped up. Um, so the race starts and I'm running with Ryan Pluckelman. He, he has the Adventure Jogger podcast with his mm-hmm. son, Cohen. And this kid's just like, you know, collegiate cross country dude. And I'm trying to talk to him. And I'm like, yeah, man, um, we're going to pace ourselves and, you know, stay at 18 minutes all day long. Don't worry about what they're doing up there. And then I was like, maybe I think a loop. And then he was gone. And he was, yeah. uh, I never saw him again. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I was like, man. Um, and I, and I remember when we got into the corral, I took off and I was up front with Luke and mm-hmm. Luke started talking to me because he'd seen my training and I had uh, gotten some advice from him on some gear and stuff. And so he started talking to me and I remember being like, no, 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 no. And I went back to the back of the group <laughs> and, uh, I had to keep doing that. And I remember, Okay, so I don't want to miss any important things. So about four or five hours in, I went there. I'm sitting on my laptop, sitting on top of a three-drawer thing full of goo. Mm-hmm. And so I went there with this thing full of goo, a bunch of honey stingers, a bunch of tailwinds, which generally in a race is my trail food. That's what my pack is full of. Mm-hmm. And that sustains me in between aid stations. I get to an aid station. I have a hot quesadilla, savory, whole food, you know? Mm-hmm. But at mid-state, I had... I had this little three drawer thing. Everything was so perfectly laid out. I was like, dude, I'm not messing with all this regular food. I'm taking my time. I'll grab a goo. And I just kept on with the goo and tailwind mm. and never got any of my real food. I think I might've had like a watermelon or two. Um, yeah. And then I remember telling you, you said, mm-hmm. Stephanie went to the store. This was early on. Stephanie yeah. Went to the store this was early. I was, like, I was like, dude, my stomach's messing up. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. And I was like, we'll switch the water. And uh, we switched because of the sugar and the tailwind. Mm-hmm. Oh, and come to find out, dude, I was mixing double tailwind in all my bottles. Yes. I know. When you said you wanted <laughs> two scoops in there, we're like, really? Okay, well. Everyone was <laughs> looking at me like I was crazy. I remember someone handed me a, a gallon of tailwind. That was me. I handed you that gallon. I dipped it. I was like, this ain't tailwind. <laughs> this ain't- what the heck is this? I don't want this. I was but we to switched drinking. to water and yeah. uh, gosh, you ran with water for probably close. I was going to say five, almost five laps or more. Yeah. Uh, so five or six more miles that you did just straight water. And yeah. so and, and go from there. Yeah. yeah so, so I started, my stomach starts messing up. <laughs> I, uh, in a race, I, I re- resort back to, you know, the stuff that I know that works, which is water and salt tabs because there's no flavor. And I know that although I might be in GI distress, I know that if I get hydrated and get the sodium and stuff in, I can push. I can still scientifically make it through this heat. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to suck. I'm going to get start getting a lot more exhausted than I should be, which started happening. I remember Luke passed me on one of those. Um, Cause like now, now you have to reset. And you have 20 minute loops. There's nothing. You got to do it on the go. And the amount of people out that there was so many people who probably thought I wasn't even going to, you know, finish 12 hours, much less win based off of how much I was puking and dry heating out there. One guy came up and he was like, you're going to get dehydrated. And I was like, I looked at him. I was like, yeah, I know. (laughs) I'm there. Uh, And then another guy was like, bro, what are you doing? Stop puking. You're I was like, I'm not like trying, you know, it's not, yeah. Uh, it's not like I'm sticking my finger down my throat. <laughs> well, at one point I did. Uh, did you? My finger down my, yeah. And someone caught me and he made fun of me. Uh, but so 
I'm puking and eating. So now I'm doing the water and the salt tab. And I remember my stomach did start to settle because I started mm-hmm. just eating little bits of food, like yeah. grapes is what it was. I started eating grapes. And then uh, every ultra, there's always some one food item that I'll get hooked on that we sell out of. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. uh, it was mashed potatoes for Cruel Jewel. For Georgia Jewel, it was Aussie Bites, like things mm-hmm. you get in Publix. Mm-hmm. Um, it was goo for Fierce Dragon. And this one, Mid-State, it was grapes. At one grapes. point in time, John, the referee, Steph's like, we need grapes. And John's like, who's got grapes? We need grapes. <laughs> and people came from everywhere with grapes, man. It was beautiful. That was awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. And so, yeah, I started nibbling on that stuff and started getting some, like, you know, uh, quesadillas, yeah. some you know, little quarter bites of cheeseburger. And I woke my gut back up. And mm-hmm. I, when I say I woke it back up, it was, it was woken up to the point where it was going to ride that line the entire mm-hmm. race. You know what I mean? You, yep. you have a bad loop and you're puking again. Uh, so we stayed hammer focused. My beautiful wife, Stephanie, came back from Publix with a uh, big old quarts of uh, potato soup, chicken noodle mm-hmm. soup. And man, it was, what was awesome about this is like, Everyone was coming together on the course, trying to keep me going. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it was because of how bad I look. They're like, "There's no way he's gonna make it." We'll just right. we'll get him. We'll get him going another loop, cute guy. Uh, but everyone was working together, and I remember, like, I never I gave that chicken noodle soup to Luke Balschwal, my wife, mm-hmm. because he was having stomach issues or something. Everything was just getting passed around. And uh, now we make it into the night portion, and I yeah. start feeling a lot better. And uh, Luke even. How were you at the twelve before you go into the night? How were you before? Because you came in. I remember you took your shoes off. We laid down. You lay down. And uh, how were you feeling coming into that that twelve hour point? I was hoping that the nap was going to make my stomach get completely yeah. normal normal again. Um, I was at that point in time. I had begun getting calorie thin. So in between hour four, when my stomach, when we got that red flag. And hour 12, I spent three hours, three or four hours in utter exhaustion. And like, I'm talking, I was sweating profusely, yeah. from dry heaving. Yeah. Um, I was big, just putting out more energy from dry heaving. I wasn't eating. And it was literally like I was going off my body's reserves and just, mm. but I remember thinking I'm going to pass out on this course. I'm going to wake up in the dirt before I, you know, time, you know, something. And so I was like, I kept hitting that 18 minute mark, even no matter how bad it hurt. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the 12 hour, when we hit the 12 hour, I was hoping that that would, I would wake up all better. Mm -hmm. And I, I I rested, I slept, but I woke up feeling the exact same, except for I was like, you know, I felt reprieved from having, you know, closed my eyes. Yeah. I didn't feel, um, whenever I close my eyes and just get like even a few minutes of sleep i feel mentally a whole lot better just the fact that hey your brain got a chance to shut off. oh yeah. yeah 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 i was gonna say coming into 12 i think it was probably gosh i th- i think if i could recall correctly it was about two hours before the 12 hour mark so we're 10 in or so man you looked um there were several times stephanie and i were looking at each other like uh he didn't look that good when he you know came in and you know because you were you were hot overheating a little bit we were putting the ice on you that ice go water and things like that so but the night that's where we were like okay if we can get to the you know obviously get to the 12 hour 
lay down, cool down. Now we're coming into the nighttime where it's a lot cooler. Um, well, yeah, at least it gets cooler, but <laughs> so, yeah, that's relative. So I, I just right. hit on, uh, <laughs> I have to mention this, um, two things during that period where you mentioned that I looked, you and Stephanie were looking at each other like, uh Oh, um, mm-hmm. cause this is early on, man. I'm yeah. looking rough, rough. <laughs> and, uh, Aaron, his name's Aaron. He's a mailman. Yes. He's there running. He's got a big old beard. Yeah. He wasn't the guy dressed as a mailman, but he's another. He's oh, okay. I know who you're talking about now. Yeah. Okay. He had three of seven shorts on. Yep. Uh, in a pack. He saw me like that in that condition. And he ran by me, dude. And he said, uh, do it for Edgar. Mm. Edgar's for people who don't know Edgar. Edgar's my brother, uh, in blue who, who, uh, laid down his life in December, uh, 2018. He was shot and killed uh, conducting a traffic stop and uh, all these races I run with him in my heart. And I had forgotten about Edgar at that moment. And Aaron said, uh, do it for Edgar. And I remember like, whoo, I remember thinking, yeah. yeah, that's all I needed. And when he said that, it reminded me, you might have seen me do it a few times. I would come into the corral. Yeah. I wouldn't eat, drink, and I would stare at Edgar's picture. <laughs> and then I would take off running. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's all the fuel I needed. Yeah, it was beautiful, so, yeah. man. You'd get fired up after that for sure. You were so yeah. there was some emotion there. I felt a few times, you know, coming away from it. But that was the fuel that you needed, not not the physical food. It was the emotional and mental fuel. Yeah, man. So yeah, so I wanted to hit on that. So yeah, now we're into the night, yeah. and we wake up, and the heat it's still there for us runners, but it's no mm-hmm. longer a, a battle, something you have to battle like you do in the day. It's just hot. I remember like Luke even had his, um, some people even had like long sleeves on. It got mm-hmm. that, that chilly to what they said. I never, I had a short sleeve on and on the climbs, I would take my sleeve off and have it just around my neck. Mm. And the only reason I put my shirt on is when I would come in. Cause at nighttime we started clicking off 1630 because of the, uh, the cool air. Yeah. And so I had more time in the chair. And at that point in time, I was like, okay, this makes sense to come in. And you're starting to get the groups getting small Mm -hmm. and you have to really trust yourself, trust your pace, trust your, your markers that you've made over the past, however many hours, you know, like I knew I needed to be at the, the accept defeat, take a seat at four and a half minutes. Mm -hmm. And I knew I needed to be at this blah, 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 blah. And so I had those set in stone, but you see the group and there's only like maybe 10 people now running. Yeah, And you see the group going away and you're like, I'm supposed to win this race. And there's everyone's going, I'm back here by myself. And you just have to rely on your training and, and your pace mm-hmm. and stay patient um, and wait for them to come to you. And well, if, if you're running like me um, and I was like, well, I'm gonna wait for them to come to me. And I remember when I got up there, finally, I didn't go any faster. Really. They, their overall pace had just finally gotten back to where I was. Mm-hmm. And a f- someone said, what, where have you been all day? <laughs> and Luke was like, yeah, man, you're a different person now. Yeah. And uh, I was like, well, I've been doing 18 minute miles dying. And uh, I remember saying I've been puking my guts out for, at this point, it was, it was 15 hours because I felt better. Yeah. I was like, I've been puking my guts out for 15 hours. Uh, and, uh, and then it just became like clockwork, man. Then it was like, I was no longer necessarily battling that stomach or the heat and it was just looking at that headlamp and clicking away loops waiting for someone to drop off and i remember for a while they called us the magnificent seven 
Man, you guys went for a long time. The people was the people who got past twenty four hours, right? Yeah, they called or no. The Magnificent Seven were the ones who ran through the night. Yeah, you guys, there was more that came in. So we dropped a lot through the night. The Seven came in through the, I think, uh, into the morning hours. But, but they didn't hit the 24-hour They didn't, mark. yeah. Because right. it was the uh, the Four Horsemen. That's th Those were the 24-hour folks, yeah. yeah. So, okay, so I want to say this right now. Next year, they're not going to be able to make a name up for how many people I bring with me through the 24-hour mark. <laughs> they're they're, they're going to be like, that's, you know. Well, that's yeah. the, you know, the Lord's people right there. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, what well, was it before we go, before you uh, mention it, was it for you? Because that, that was the most that it pushed to that point um, ever. I mean, like that was the first two for that race um, that that many, that group of people had gone that long or that deep, we will say into the race. And so was that, was that something that ever come to your mind? Like, wow, this is cool. We've got a bigger group going further and longer. So like, yeah, we're going to go, we're going to go far. Yes. So I remember thinking it was cool. I was like, dude, this is, cause I remember at one point in time, I was like, well, people started clicking off fast mm -hmm. and I was like, well, this could end quick. And, you know, although I wanted, you know, I did want to win. I wanted to win. I wanted a course record too. I wanted to do something that hadn't been done. Sure. And, and I was like, man, and then it got to a point. I was like, man, this is going to go forever. No yeah. <laughs> it felt that like, way for a while. <laughs> I was like, this is getting boring. Uh, <laughs> and then I remember at one point in time, I thought the girl, Jill, I was Jill, like, dude, she, yeah. she ain't getting weak. Although she said she was getting weak. It wasn't yeah. really showing in her pace um, or her demeanor. She would just, it was literally just her words. She'd be like, I'm yeah. tired. And I'm like, what does it look like? Um, but anyways, I remember being like, Okay, she can drop now. Mm -hmm. Not because she was a girl, but just because at that point in time, she was the most vocal about wanting to stop. And I remember oh, yeah. being like, mm, we've gone far enough. If she really wants to stop, let's let her stop. Mm -hmm. And it almost was a legitimate thing. I was like, you know, I mean, we can keep pushing her out here. Yeah, watch. I mean, Becca and John keep telling her she's going to get up and go. Yeah. But if she's legitimately done, uh, I'm not going to coach her to keep going anymore. You know what I mean? Right, That's yeah. my whole step. I was like, I'm gonna stop coaching these people to keep going. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and she ended up stopping um, and going further than any girl had gone before. Which yeah, was awesome. Um, and then it got down to me, uh, Luke Baltschweiler, Eric Kynel, and uh, Lucas for Lucas, yeah, Lucas had me super worried. I remember being like, "Steph, who's this guy? Look his ultra sign up up. What the heck? Where'd he come from? He's not yeah. falling off." And he, the reason he scared me is because I had kind of, I, me, Luke, and Eric were kind of coming in sort of together. Lucas mm -hmm. was staying at his own pace, mm -hmm. and he was still coming in alone. I was like, he had this uh, lonesome mysteriousness to him. And I was like, he's got a plan. That's him. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking over at him, and he's just smiling with his crew. And I was like, yeah. This guy, this guy might be, he might be in the end. Um, yeah. Well, coming into it, uh, you know, Jeff and I know him really well because he was on teammate with us on the basic course. Okay. And so coming into it, though, we were like, Lucas is going to be a dark horse. Like he's going to be yeah. this silent horse that nobody even sees coming. He's going to go far and everybody's going to be like, who the heck is this guy? <laughs> and he did it. Yeah. It was like, it was amazing to watch him do that because that's just how we felt, but we weren't sure, like, you know, cause you never know anybody's day, Anything right? Could Anything could happen. So, and it was cool to see him up there. And it's funny to hear you say that because that's exactly what we were thinking.
<laughs> yeah, that's well. He well, it played out exactly like that, and everyone felt the same way. Everyone was talking about who is that guy back there. Yeah, uh, and because uh, he's really unknown game. in these areas, because he's from Wisconsin, he doesn't run down in this area. And yeah, so and he's funny. a stud, though, man. I, I love getting to know him. I mean, when I say get to know him, we might have shared. I think he said he asked me one time. He said, "Have you been drinking?" And I was like, and I didn't know what he. I thought he was being nice, like asked me some water, and I was like, yeah. And he laughed and he was like, you're swaying. I was like, oh, like a drunk sailor. Like, no, no, no. And then everyone else had poles, right? Right. Yep. Like robots. Yep. One foot the other. Click with the poles. I was looking for the next best place to put my foot because I didn't have poles. I mean, I did, but I was not using them. And so I was more like I had my hands behind my back. I was bent over and I was kind of like, you know, someone shuffling up the road, maybe going mm-hmm. side to side, path of yep. resistance. Mm-hmm. And I kept going in front of him. And I think that was the only thing he really ever said to me. But it was like his camaraderie, his shared pain, um, which I say that, but I never saw him in pain or heard him in pain. It was, he was there till he wasn't. I remember looking yeah. back and he just wasn't there. And I came back mm-hmm. around and he was at the picnic table. He was like, I couldn't make it up that climb again or down that climb again. Yeah. And I was like, dang, bro, you yeah. suffered in silence, man. He's got it in. That's a warrior right there. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the strategic decision to not use poles? Because I remember when you took them out once and then you were like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to use poles. And then you did it. It was the exhaustion. So from not being mm. able to get calories and I was so tired um, and I'd read a few studies on poles and training and stuff. And I was like, they do scientifically use more blood oxygen. Mm. So in my mind, in that heat, I was like, I need. You need as much as you need. Yeah. I was moving efficiently without them. I trained just as I trained 50, 50 with poles. Um, and I had done some really long efforts out here without them. And I was pretty confident that I'd be fine. And I won't lie. I am extremely surprised, um, how long I went. I think it was 90 miles without touching them again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah. And I got them because I got them because it made it, um, easier on the downhills. You could kind of, mm-hmm keep your elbows tucked. Yep. yep, exactly. And just stab them in as brakes. Yep. Um, and they got, they made it downhills easier. Um, but I still, I mean, I still would get rid of them every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Not like them, um, which was kind of a turning point for me as a runner. Um, it was pretty nice. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely going to think about that more in training that I didn't really need them. So, and then I found out it was messing with my competitors. They're like, why isn't this guy using poles? Right. <laughs> and they kept asking it. I was just like, give them some weird answer. And I was like, as long as it was messing with them, as long as it was feeling okay to me, I was like, I'm just going to keep going with it. Um, yeah. And all right. So let's think Lucas. We said Lucas, uh, he, he then dropped off. And it was me, Eric, and Luke Boltschweiler. And mm-hmm. I've been following. I'm, you know, Luke's from our area. Essentially, you're mm-hmm. from here. You, you know of him. And uh, you know of him as an elite front running, uh, you know, rabbit. And yeah. so to be in the end with him, I was like, well, and my heart of hearts, I was like, it's going to be me and Luke at the end. And that was uh, rookie naive thinking just based off of Luke's resume. And mm-hmm. Eric's resume is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> right. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, Luke had just been the distance at this race. Eric had been here two times before. So then again, you can't really use any of this. And let's set this up real quick because 2020 uh, – um, uh, Eric did really well in 2020, the first year. 
And then he came out the second year, which was last year, 2021. And he didn't do, he didn't even come near what he did. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very disappointing showing for him. So him coming out, like there's this kind of like, okay, what's he going to do this year? I saw him. And I'll just say from my perspective, when I saw him step out there, I'm like, dude, Eric is focused this year. I could see it. He wasn't. So I am pretty good friends with Eric. Um, And it was like, I'm not going to say we weren't friends for the, for a while, but it was definitely, we both knew that each other was there to do work. And we both knew (laughs) that at some point in time, we were going to be competitors. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's mutual feelings, but I kind of like, I would avoid conversation with him and stuff just because I'm like, this is my brother, but I need to beat my brother. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. And it was just like something I wasn't going to entertain or focus on. And I just, we just stayed away from each other, whether that was on purpose or not. And I knew and knew of Eric and was acquaintances with him prior to last year's mid-state. Okay. And when he was going there, I went there and I went there purposely. You know, I knew he was going. I wanted to meet him and I met him. He rented a U-Haul and uh, I watched him and he, he timed out. And I remember it was sad because I knew how much he had trained. But then, so I have that tidbit of information and then I watch him train. And now we're friends. Now we're bouncing back and forth. Mm-hmm. He's sending me uh, shoelaces. I'm sending him any, anything I can do to help. And we're legit buddies now. And then, and so I, now I know everything he's done, essentially. I'm like, yeah. he is ready to rock and roll. Yeah. And he's got experience and he's got a burning heart, a fire. And <laughs> Absolutely. I was like, this is, uh, this is two really crappy guys that have the end with me right now. <laughs> and I remember telling, um, I'll save that. I guess that's probably something that you don't, you only hear if you're out there. So yeah, we... I didn't know who it was going to be. I was like, man, it's going to be me and one of these guys at the end. I knew it was going to be me at that point. I knew I had enough in me to go the distance um, and to break the course record. And then Luke, out of nowhere to me, came in and was like, I, I, I can't eat. I just need a bubbly drink. Uh, Mad Tasty is what he got. Mm. I can't eat. I'm just taking one of these with me. And I looked at Steph and we both know, don't know. That's bad news. Yeah. Because we, we, you and me, you and Stephanie had just done it for hours. Yeah. If you don't eat, that's, that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, he went out that one loop and that was it, man. He, mm. I think he came back, barely made it. And then he went out with the whistle and now, and now he timed out. And it was, it was sad for, I want to say it's sad for Luke, but I think Luke got everything he came for, man. He came and he was like, Chad was not there. Luke yeah. was. So Luke was like the, the guy to beat and the kind of like, he became the, not the shepherd, but he was the dad. Like, Hey, yeah. you've came close to winning this thing. You've ran with Chad. Uh, you're fit. You're, you know, pseudo elite. Um, <clears throat> he's the one to look up to. And he, and he took that role on man. And he, he helped out so many he people. Yeah. He was, he was such a great guy. Um, and we, we, I don't, I really don't think a lot that seven people would have got that far without Luke there. Um, but he dropped out. So now it was me and Eric. And I remember being like, Whew, cause it would have been two totally different battles with yeah. Luke and Eric. Two, it's different chasing down Luke than it is Eric out there. It's in my mind. And Eric's was going to involve a lot. His, I was, whew, I remember telling Steph, we're going to be out here minutes. Um, and then I remember telling Steph, I mean, hours went by and I remember telling Steph, I was like, I'm degrading. Um, I'm starting to degrade. 
And what I meant was, is I was going, it was getting hard to hold that 1730 pace. Whereas before I was like, I need to dial it back. I'm going too fast. Right. Now it was yeah. like, and when, you know, that I was getting past my chair, my accept the feet, take a seat chair at like four minutes and 35 seconds. And I was mm. like, oh man. And so I started thinking, thinking, I'm like, I'm degrading. Mm-hmm. And you forget that the other person is too. Right. And I remember I came into Steph and I was testing the waters. Okay. No. So well, I'm going to be completely transparent here. Um, I'm a tough guy, but I'm a transparent one. So here it is. Uh, I don't remember what number loop it was, but I remember I was quitting on myself and I put my trucking poles like this and I put my head in between my poles and I went like that. And I just held, if you ever ran an ultra marathon with trekking poles, you can envision what I'm doing. It's almost like standing up in the fetal mm-hmm. position with your head between your poles. And I watched the clock go for 30 seconds. I watched it go. And I don't remember what I saw. I saw something in the woods. It wasn't a hallucination. Well, it was so- yeah, I was watching the lives and I saw that. And I think people were asking, like, what is is Justin hallucinating? Like, what's going on? Was really? This- you saw something on the live? Wait. Oh, no. This was at the start. So something happened at the start. So and then you loop back. I think Eric. No, Eric said I dropped something. And I don't know whether or not he was kidding. Yeah. Okay. But he said, hey, you dropped some papers. And I was like, papers? I don't. I haven't had a paper in my hand right. forever. And no, you uh, couldn't see anything fall. So like, and that's where the comments were like, wait, what's going on? Is, 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 uh, Justin hallucinating? Well, maybe it was Eric that was hallucinating. In that I moment. think he was. Yeah, I think he did. So, but I saw something, um, in the tree line shiny, um, mm. and whatever it was made me think of Flores. I don't know if that was a correlation with shiny badge or what, mm. but I thought of Flores and I was like, oh, and when I thought of Flores and I hate that it wasn't my wife, uh, but she, she shares this with, with Flores. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, <laughs> But I thought of him and then I immediately thought of her and I was like, she's not in on this decision. She doesn't get to have a say. Mm. And I thought back about how I quit special forces, married to her. And that was a huge family decision that she had no say in. And I was like, I cannot time out out here. And that's what I spoke of earlier. You know, people do sit out there and watch the clock go. You know, Mm. I heard it talked about for by multiple people. And then Mm -hmm. I was about to do it. And then I thought about her and I was like, I can't, man. She has sacrificed so much. And she, let me just go tell her that I feel a little bad. And I know for her, that's going to be code for holy crap. Things are going south. Right. And so I got to her and I said, I'm degrading. And she said, he is too. Keep going. And that was me feeling her out. And I was like. What, what hour was this? Oh, this you, was. Okay. Yeah, this was about. This was a, this was like two loops after we woke up. So this would have been like 38 hours and 40 minutes. Yes. Okay. Cause Luke dropped shortly before that. Right. Wasn't that yep. before that? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. It was like Luke dropped. Yeah. Cause we I was going to say loop. you guys only went a couple hours together as, as the, mm-hmm. as the two. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. Luke, so that's what I was Luke, thinking. Yeah. So Luke dropped and then a loop went by and it was fine. And then another loop went by and that was the one I was, like I'm not yeah. because i'm not gonna lie dude i started getting in my head and i was like i started you know thinking about the reasons why i wasn't there and i was like second place at mid-state mile is really cool that's good enough you wow. know what i mean mm-hmm. that's good enough yeah and um i talked with eric about this and i was like um he was like you know do you think it's sleep deprivation mm-hmm. that got you thinking weak like that and mm-hmm. i said no brother 
I'm a human being. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a yeah. human being that had been running for 38 hours and 40 minutes. So it was exhaustion. Yeah. I was just done. I was mentally yeah. and physically done. Um, had it been Chad Wright out there, I would not have been done. But this was my brother, Eric, who I had no desire to prove anything to or to beat. Yeah. But I'd been, t- I'd been told I could not beat Chad Wright. So I, if, if it had been him, I think I would have had some oh, fire yeah. in me. But the fire was starting to go away. And um, mm. I happily admit that, that I'm a human being and that I was yeah. able to um, pull on reserves uh, in the moment. And, and that was my wife. You know, I leaned on her and I mm. said to her, I said, I'm degrading. She said, he is too. Just keep going. And I knew right then and there. And so we went on in another loop and Eric was talking to me and I, he knew I was getting weak. Eric knew I was getting weak. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he started running. I don't know if you noticed, but he ran like two 13 minute loops. Oh no, I did not. Wow. Yeah, I don't know if that was strategic or not, but I know Eric saw me getting weak. I'd verbalized, spoken to it, uh, about it to him. And, um, and then it was back. It was like, it was back. And then I knew it was one loop. I saw Steph. She said, just keep going. And it was about a hundred yards into that loop that I was like, all right, I'm here until I die. Um, and Eric, I guess, I don't know. I'm not going to go too in depth with what other people said and felt out there. But I remember he, he, I saw him limping and I was like, oh man, Mm -hmm. that was the first thing I saw of him. I was like, he's limping. Oh my gosh. And then he said, yeah, my IT band. Yeah. And then I was like, oh man. And, um, he started saying like, you know, what should I, what, what, what could we do? What, what is there to do? And I said, Eric, there's only one option and that we run until something catastrophic. So we can't happens. go any further. <laughs> and we can't go any further. <laughs> and I was like, I know it sucks. I just settled with it on the last loop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we're here for the duration. And he was like, all right. And we put our heads down and uh, we grinded it out. And I know at the end of the uh, mid state, I say, Hey, we broke the course record. And then Eric decided to go home. He, that's not, that was, that's way too cut uh, point blank. He held on and fought that IT band and his knees, and he yeah. looked like he looked like a, a someone with cerebral palsy or something trying to cross the finish line. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? He, yeah. He was chair-ridden at the end. He could not mm-hmm. stand up. He tried to stand up to hug me, and I literally, you can see it on live. I caught mm-hmm. him, and I've I've caught people who are faking, and I've caught dead weight before, and this man couldn't stand anymore, and uh, mm-hmm. and it was good <clears throat> for it to be him. And I wouldn't That's have cool. had it. I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't wish anyone showed up. <laughs> we could dance around all day. I don't, I don't care that Chad Wright didn't show up. He's doing his own thing. He's got his own life going on. Right. And he's, he's leading men and, 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 and women in a direction. And, you know, Mid-State wasn't part of his plan this year. And that is what it yeah. is. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. and me and Eric threw down. And uh, I left with a full heart, man. And we broke the course mm. record because we fought together. You know what I mean? We fought together as a team, uh, especially the four horsemen, the last yeah. four, Lucas Rivard. Oof. Hey, guess what? If he comes next year, he's not going to be Mr. Mysterious anymore. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So, but Justin, yeah, man, you went 40 hours, 128 miles, 39,000. 
480 feet of gain and loss. That's pretty impressive, man. Pretty impressive. So, yeah, you're right. He will not be mysterious, but, uh, you know, it's interesting, this whole race. I'll just say this, because this is something that I think about often about this particular race. And every year, everybody's always questioned, like, oh, how far is it going to go this year? You know, it could go, it could go, you know, 50 hours, you know, or whatever. And the truth of the matter is, is, each year is completely different because you never know not only like who's going to show up, but their body, their mind, their nutrition, all of those things. So much could go awry that next year, honestly, the winner could go 30 hours, you know? And so because of, you know, the, the field could be so different or the conditions out there could be way different. It could be pouring down rain the entire time and it takes so many people out. So you just never know. And so I think it's, it's, it's such a cool in race or experience to, because you just, you don't know, you don't, you're, there's no clue that like they always say out there, you never know when the end is, is because there is no end until there's only one. Yeah. But, and again, that could be 25 hours, 30 hours, 40, 45, 50 hours. You just don't know. Um, because it all depends on each individual that shows up and how far each one can go. I do, and that, and I think that was, um, and I was in that group too, everyone's obsession with poor old pale horse, you know, I mean, everyone was calling on him to come like, let the man yeah. live, live his life Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, was because all him finish and they saw that he still had some in the tank. Yeah. So a lot of people were, I guess, looking at him, so to say, as their ride to that limit because they're like, if Chad doesn't show up, I don't know if, if anyone's gonna be able to take us to that limit. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and I hope that with this year that, you know, people can kind of drop that and, and start focusing on how far they can push themselves regardless of who shows up, like what yeah. you said. Um, because there are so many special human beings, man, that have untapped potential. Um, <clears throat> Mid-state is, is saturated with newbies. Uh, Isaac, Isaac yeah. was in, in the top yeah. seven. He, yep. the farthest he's ever ran, 94 miles on wow. the murder mile, it was upwards of 30,000 feet of gain. Farthest he's ever ran. And that's no joke. <laughs> I mean, it's I mean like, that is the heart. And, and like at a, at a 20 minute limit pace where, you know, if you don't wipe right, you're chafing now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Say it's graphic. It is what it is. But there is so much untapped potential and I hope that everyone can, you know, start relying on themselves to get there instead of other people to take them there because mm, that's good. We will get far. Um, if it rains, Tim, I don't care if it rains next year. It can, uh, we're together. We'll figure it out, brother. We'll, yes, sir. Uh, hey, at least yes, we sir. won't need, at least we won't need sponges. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be cool. <laughs> and then It'll be- dude, my head I have to put this out there. So Stephanie said I was on the couch. And I went to go lay back. And I was like, ow. And I went, you know, put my head up on my forearms instead. And that's because my scalp has broken out in the worst acne ever. It's like cysts. And I, wow. can't, I literally can't put my head on a pillow. And Stephanie, and I just ran five miles, you know, up and down these hills out here. Fine. And my knees yeah. don't hurt. Everything's good. And Stephanie was like, the worst pain you got from mid-state is head acne. <laughs> what? Is what? that from the, the visor where it was rubbing or something? Or <laughs> No, um, I think it was just everything. Uh, yeah, that's funny. The, the, the frog talk. I'm sensitive. I have oily skin. I get, you know, puberty was hell for me. 
So mm-hmm. the frog togs and everything just laying on top, clogging the pores, I'm sure. But yeah, bro, it was it's bad. Yeah. That's funny. That's funny. The worst thing that Justin got from it was head acne. That's pretty head funny. Acne. <laughs> yeah, because you look super it. fresh and you know, I text you uh that next morning and you're like, dude, I feel amazing. So yeah, I was I like, feel, Yeah. Wow. So that was we we I mean, so let's think. Hour five moments of weakness, man. I started getting scared of whether or not yeah. I'm gonna be able to even stay in the race till dark. And then um, I want to say we'll say hour thirty-eight mm. moment of weakness, man, where I put my head between my poles and was gonna watch the clock run out. Like that ain't me. Yeah. Um, but what is me? Me is the guy who picked his head back up, remembered why he was there, and pushed on. Um, the biggest thing I preach now is that. So many, so many of us roll around striving to be perfect that when we do mess up, we might stay in the dark mm. for a while because yeah. we're, we, we are shameful of our one little mistake rather than saying, okay, I messed up and here I am world. I'm here again. Uh, you know, try to knock me down again. I'm going to get back up. And we stay, we stay in the light when we, we stop being so ashamed of our little mistakes and uh, mm. we give we give power to ourselves and take power from the mistakes when we speak them and when we speak about them, you know, hundred percent, hundred percent. So before we jump out of here, man, um, what's, uh, a, what's next. And then what, uh, cause coaching is a big thing right now. I know you're stepping into that and I'm so happy for you and what could, uh, I just want to give you the opportunity, a platform to like share, like, what could someone who's looking for coaching expect from Justin Hamilton? Because I think they got a hint of it with what you just led into just a moment ago, because I think that's beautiful of having that experience of these moments where you're just, you're like, okay, it's almost over. Like I can't go any further. And then you lift your head up. You're like, okay, let's go, you know, and you can push through. So like what, what's next. And then what's, what can someone, or maybe what could someone expect from your coaching and then what's next for you? Absolutely, man. So, uh, most, so right now I have seven, seven athletes, um, and that just blows my mind and it makes me so happy. And every single one of them, uh, came to me because of who I am as an, and not only as an athlete, um, but as an individual, um, yeah. a father who's busy and, and, but still gets the work in, but you know, not at, not hindering his family. Yeah. Uh, and, and a lot of them are, are have the same type of situation. And with that, they they came to me because they expect to be me to be able to teach them how I've been able to do it. Mm. Or when stuff comes up in life, to keep training. Um, I I offer right now what it, what a lot of people are saying is not sustainable because it's too much, it's too in depth. But so right now, if someone wants to me to write them a training plan for a race. Uh, as long as that race is within uh, 18 to 20 weeks out, I will write a plan for it. And what I'll do is I'll look at that individual's last six months of physical fitness. I'll look at uh, the race itself. I'll completely dissect the elevation profile. If it's not online, I will find it. Um, I will look up a topographical map and I will map it out myself. And I just I offer that amount of detail and passion into your race plan. I've just listened to so many of my friends say, Hey, I'm going to go do this race at mid state. And I'm like, cool. This is two weeks out. I'm like, what kind of poles are you using? And they're like, yeah. well, I don't have poles yet. And I'm like, you have a coach that you pay. And they say, yes. 
I say, they haven't mentioned the polls to you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do they even know about Midstate? <laughs> do they know the elevation? Exactly. Yeah. So with that, you get you get that amount of detail and passion from me. Mm. Um, and Good. then you can hire me as your everyday coach. Uh, and with that, it's just going to be, instead of just being for a race, and the reason I do it 18 weeks out is so I'm not writing a plan for someone that's a year out and all this could happen in between. They never end up doing it. Um, yeah. Cause I'm not here for the money. I'm here to help people and I guess to pay for goo. So a little bit of money. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but I'm not here to pay my bills. Um, so I wanted, I want to do qual like just like the miles I run, I wanted it to be quality coaching. Good. Um, and within the, the everyday coaching, man, I talked to my, it's just like, I talked to one of my buddies right now who he did, he did the beginning of a training cycle where two weeks in, he just got COVID. And then two days after COVID, he throws his back out. And his oh, wow. race is, he has a preparatory race, you know, leading into his big one. And that race is so many weeks out. Well, he was freaking out. And I was like, boom. So I took, you know, I looked at the calendar and I was like, okay, he has, let's say he doesn't do anything for two weeks, but light mobility and, and recovery. And then he'll have seven weeks to hammer it. And then this many weeks. So I'm able to jump in at little life emergencies and say, this is why everything's completely fine. <laughs> yeah. This is why you are going to be able to train. And this is why everything is going to work out. Don't Good. rush the process. Listen to what your doc's saying about your back, so on and so forth. And just be a voice of reason that mm -hmm. I've been there before. I, I hammered myself as an ultra runner for the first year to learn all these mistakes. Yeah. And that's beautiful, man, because, you know, as a coach myself, you know, coaching is nothing more than perspective. It's bringing perspective to someone and, and on their, their weakest days, it's taking them up to 30,000 foot view. Right. And giving them like, look, look, everything is good. See where all yeah. this is. Everything's fine. We're going to be good in this whole perspective. And then we're taking, yeah. there's times though, you're right back down into the ditch with them and the low, you know, and you're, you're right alongside of them in the midst of uh, the trial or whatever. So, and it's just helping provide perspective for them. So I love that you hit on that because that is, that is very key. Yeah, man. So yeah, well, um, then yes, providing perspective. I, I don't think, I didn't think about it in that sense, but, uh, now that you've labeled it, dude, I'm definitely going to hone in on that more. Um, and so what I love is that the, the program that I use is called training peaks on the computer. And it is, real time like i look pull up in the morning first thing i do i grab my coffee and it's a big calendar and i select one of my athletes names and i look if they did their workout already and a lot of times they have a lot of early morning guys um it's cool and they put comments in there i put my comments we chat back and forth and i just go through all my athletes and you know my covid guy and my and i have two who have covid actually um, I was able to go in there and put, you know, immediately they called me, Hey, COVID. All right. Boom. I changed their training plan and they were able to see it. Okay. Now I got two rest days, this, that, and the other. And it's just real time coaching. And I don't let a day go by without talking to my athletes. Um, mm. I've had other coaches and they would let weeks go by and I didn't feel like, yes, I'm, it's my job to put in the work, but I felt like, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't feel good. And so I remember always thinking when I'm a coach, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have yeah. Every other day, I'm going to reach out to one of my athletes and just say, how you doing? You know, or I'm going to, you know, reference a workout, so on and so forth. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's a, uh, yeah, man, I'm stoked about it. And that's what I offer. And, and it's just going to awesome. continue to grow. And it's, as you know, I'm super new at it and um, working on 
hiring some people to build me a website and, you know, taking some marketing classes and stuff like that. And, yeah. and, uh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to do it, man. Let's do it. Yeah. We're, you are, you are. And I, if any of the races that you've done have, uh, shown you anything is that you can press through and you can accomplish anything. So regardless of whether it's the fierce dragon, 200 mid-state mile, Georgia jewel, cruel jewel, whatever it is, you know, business, you're going to, you're going to figure it out. And I think that's the thing is just, uh, stepping into it with what you're doing and figuring it out, learning as you go, like midst that you were having to adjust on the fly, uh, fierce dragon adjusting on the fly, you know, cruel jewel, you know, throw this one out the window. We got to do something different. Same thing with the Tennessee. So that's cool. And I think that's the same thing with businesses. Uh, you know, it's like you learn and you, you just adapt and you just keep progressing forward. So pretty cool. So what's next, man? So I was going to do Georgia Jewel, but then I got bit by this backyard ultra bug. And <laughs> I, I remember looking at Steph yeah, uh, last night and I was like, I just, I started looking at my training plan for Georgia Jewel and I was going to stop climbing so much. And I was going to start we're doing speed work and this, that, and the other. And it, my heart wasn't in it. And I was like, mm. man, I don't, and it's not that you don't have to really train for mid-state and for these other backyard races. It's just a different type of training. It's more yeah. tough guy training. You know what I mean? You can go yeah. put time on feet. And I looked up Little's Backyard Ultra. And it's yeah. Lazarus Lakes yep. where he has big backyard. It's the week before. And it's it's the same exact thing, but it's for people who can't get into big. And uh, I've been told if you go there and you do good, then you can probably get a shot at getting into bigs and uh my overall my ultra dream is to get to barkley the barkley yeah. marathon um i heard it said in a podcast uh about two and a half years ago that the day of your average dad finishing barkley is over that it was only going to be one of his elite pros you know solomon sponsored pros mm -hmm. and i remember saying hey you know what i'm, I'm gonna be that dad uh that finishes barkley yes um and I know, and I know I have what it takes, uh, to train, to finish Barkley. I, I don't mm -hmm. think I could finish today. If you said, Hey, you have a year. I think I could, um, mm -hmm. I know I could, uh, and that's a bold statement in this world, but, uh, Hey, I, well, I'll say it and I'll say it proudly. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, man, the first thing about it is you got to believe that you can even freaking do it in the first place before you even tow the line. Right. Absolutely. Like towing the line is one thing, but you got to believe that you even have a shot that like, like, you know, that, you know, that, you know, inside of you, regardless of whether what happens out there, you know, in the arena, it's like, you got to know that you can survive the arena before you even step into it. I think you Absolutely. have to have that, that solid faith of knowing that that's where you're at. So you, so I, there was something I meant to say at the end of mid state that I didn't, which was, you know, why I won. Mm -hmm. And I was going to say, uh, it's very simple and it is, faith and a power greater than myself who i call jesus christ yeah. um believing in something bigger than myself which was the community of mm. ultra running and what we can do with this canvas that we have and what we can do with these platforms that we're building hard work all the hard work y'all saw me put in mm -hmm. and then yes what you said knowing that you can win and knowing that you have the ability to make it to the end and uh and using that will to win when things get hard yeah and uh and that's, and yeah, that's what it takes. And I mean, Barclays, it's own, it's own beast in itself. Like, um, but it's something that I know eventually I could train for. And I know that little backyard ultra is possibly my first step in getting there. 
it'll I'll be able to shake Laz's hand and I haven't done Absolutely. yet that yet. So that'll be that'll be closer than I've ever been. And then after that, I got Fierce Dragon again, man. I got Fierce Dragon 200, and I'm gonna go there after what I learned at Mid State with these 20 minute naps, and I'm gonna go get the put a Georgia boy's name next to the course record. There you um, go. And then obviously I'm coming to Mid State, but then I got something big in 2023 in December of 2023, and that's I'm gonna mm. try to break the uh, the world record for the most miles ran on a treadmill in a week. Oh and yeah, is, you got yeah. I I thought I heard a glimpse of that. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So I, I talk on the the Running Republic. I talk. Uh, they have a podcast, and I talk about um, trying to going into that. My idea to do it, and why I think I can, so on, so forth. And we all know Jeff Forster. I did the first live with him about the treadmill 100. Yep, mm -hmm. uh, where I ran 100 miles on a treadmill. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna in December 18th, 2000. <laughs> 23 i'm going to start running on the treadmill for seven days i'm going to break the world record and it's not held by an american but there's going to be an american flag next to that world record um, yeah. seven days after that and that is uh that date might sound familiar that is the anniversary of edgar's death and that is mm, the date yeah. that i ran the 100 miles on the treadmill and uh so i'm going to start running that with him you know um and we're going to get a guinness book proctor out there to sit in my house for a week while I run a treadmill in the living room. And uh, I think after that is when I will more deliberately start trying to get into Barkley. And I'll start. Mm -hmm. I, I have friends who've been, and I have people who I feel like I could ask, and they may give me an email and tell me when to send it. Sure. Uh, but I don't want to, I don't want to go to Barkley not ready. Yeah, absolutely. I want to, I want to, I don't want to apply to Barkley and go and not make it and apply and go. Not, I want to never apply and I want to apply and I want to go and I want to finish. And, and I don't know what I'll do after that, but I know that's, yeah, I'm not, I love that about it. you. I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. So, well, cool, man. I'm, you know, I'm going to be following your journey. You know, I'm in your corner on your team. I, I'm here to help you serve you Literally. however I can. And we're going to have to put some miles together because we aren't that far. I'm like, Every oh my time gosh. you say, uh, as the crow flies an hour, I'm like, how are we not hiking or fishing or something? Yeah, we got to figure, figure this out because uh, anyway, so yeah, definitely. We're going to figure this out. We're going to do this because, um, uh, man, I'm, I'm here for you and I'm excited for, um, I'm excited to see where things go with your coaching and obviously with your running and such, but I just know you're going to serve a lot of people. You're going to help a lot of people. I know that's your heart. And yeah, so, uh, honestly, that was, uh, coming into mid state, I was like, man, you've done a lot of things over the course of this last year. And I just thought, you know, mid state is just that, you know, just that, uh, uh, what do you call it? The uh, cherry icing on top on the of cake. the ice. Yeah, yeah the icing on the cake. It's the cherry on top of the ice cream. It's this. It totally was, brother. Yeah, that's so cool. It's surreal. It is so. I mean, I spoke. I spoke about it for a year, for three hundred and sixty four days, yeah. and made a. I made a post a day, of <laughs> yeah. saying TikTok, here we come, and just the statistical chances of someone a year out signing up for a race yeah training for it not having some crazy family emergency breaking a leg and just making it to the start line and then winning like they said those ch that doesn't happen yeah um 
And I, and I, and I know that, and I'm, and I know it's God, dude. And I'm grateful for that. And I'll never, I'll never, uh, whew, I'll never deny your glory. Uh, never. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, brother, man, it was an honor to sit down with you for this 100th episode. Uh, so, so awesome. And I was wanted to honor you, uh, for a couple of things. One being the number one downloaded episode of all time of this podcast. And I don't think it'll ever be beat. I'm just, I'm just saying it's got such a head start here. Um, and then, you know, just to have you come on and share those experiences of leading up to the midstay and then just your realness and your authentic authenticity and vulnerability about sharing like the struggles and the trials that you've gone through even on in 64 you talked about the life challenges and this one was more about the race and the things but i love how you take all of that and you apply it to life and you do that only to to better yourself to be a better man but to be a better husband a better father and a coach for for those that you coach man so appreciate all of it i appreciate you tim like i said i i don't care if i do get famous one day and 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 joe rogan wants to talk to me after a race i'm gonna say after tim douglas brother (laughs) (laughs) deal (laughs) deal awesome man well i'll let you get on with stephanie uh i know you guys got some chores to do tell her i said hello and uh so congratulations brother really congratulations All right, Tim. I appreciate it, man. I'll see you soon. All right, man. Hey, my friends. I hope you really enjoyed today's episode. If you did, do me a huge favor and head on over to iTunes. Leave me a rating and review. That will definitely help us get this message out to more people. Also, if you haven't done so already, let's connect. You can connect with me on my website, timdouglasinspires.com, and or on the social media sites, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Let me know that you listened to the podcast and that's how you found me. Lastly, stay tuned for more to come. And I definitely want to thank you again for subscribing, for sharing, this with your friends, leaving a review, all that good fun stuff. So until next time, go out there, face your storms, make your difference in the world, and we'll see you next time on the Inspired Way podcast. Thank you.